Good morning, everybody. Morning for those that are online, thank you, and we welcome, we welcome you, and we say thank you for joining us today. We know that God is in control. He has something for us this day. We are going through part three of our series called All Things, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited uh, to hear what God has for us, but I, I want to start off with prayer. Um, you recognize that we sometimes come to church already burdened by the weight of the world, amen? And we sometimes come not understanding that we come on Sundays to actually come together to celebrate how great God is. And that's why we do worship. We worship so that we can proclaim the God that we are saying that we are following. And we want to actually display his splendor to other people. And the only way that I know how to do that is to understand who he is in his word and to worship him for who he is, amen? And so this morning we had a chance to lift him higher than our burdens, lifting, lift him higher than our circumstances. And we believe that he can actually and will do what he does best, illuminate, enlighten, give us understanding and wisdom. Amen. Are you ready to receive what God has for you today? Let's bow our heads. Let's pray that God would come with grace and power and with an anointing of this word because you just don't want me this morning. You want him. And I believe that I've gotten ready and God has to do the rest because it's really up to him now. Amen. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for this awesome time of worship together. We thank you, Lord, that you come to meet us every, actually every day, every moment of the day. But Sunday is special because we come together as the forever family. And God, I ask that you not only touch us here in-house, but you touch all those that are listening to this message right now. I ask your Holy Spirit to breathe upon us, to give us ears to hear, a heart to understand, and a willingness and the courage to stand forth in the in the truth that you're giving us this day oh god i need your grace i acknowledge my need of you this morning i know lord that you love these people more than i do that you want to speak to them more than i want to speak to them god and so i'm asking that you usher in your presence that anointing that breaks every bondage every yoke that keeps your people captive God, I'm praying for freedom. I'm praying, God, for a release in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we are part three, all things. Now, what have we discovered in the last several weeks for, for those that have not been with us? We discovered in Romans 8.32 uh, that God says in 31.32, it says that God is for us. And if he's for us, who can be against us? And then he goes on, he says, and he who did not spare his own son, how shall he not freely give us graciously all things? And so we started with that foundation, God loves us and if he loves us and he's already given his son for us that why is it that we doubt that he could give us all things and then we go and we saw that all the spiritual blessing is ours according to Ephesians 1 3 but now last week we did 2nd Peter 2nd Peter 2 a 1 I should say a verse 3 and 4 says that God has given us his resources his sufficiency to walk out life and godliness so we don't even have to, we don't even have the strength to do that but he gives us in those first two verses that we're breaking down in the next several months the first two voice verses he says that he's given us great power the greatness of his power he permits us to have access to that 
Okay, are you sensing that? That's a resource for us. That is God saying to us all things he's going to give this to us. Now, it's not that verse. You want to take that off, please, because you see they're going to be reading that verse, and I'm not there yet, all right? Because, you know, I know you guys are so anxious to hear what God has for you. But not only did he give you his great power, he gave you his great and precious promises, and he caused you to be a partaker in his divine nature. Power, promise, and divine nature. That means that divine nature that's in us, which is what we see in 2 Corinthians 5.17, that now I'm a new creation. I have new DNA. The old is gone, and the new has come. That new thing is that new life that Romans 5 talks about. That is why we see in Romans 8 at the beginning, it says, please do not be governed by the flesh any longer, but be governed by the spirit, the new nature. Amen? And so we see that everything that God has given us, he's given all of it, all things, to give us the desire to walk in this world without stumbling. And I, I, I absolutely love these promises because it's hard. Life is hard. Situations are hard. Events are hard. And today I want to look at what is it that Peter is telling us in this chapter. Right now in this chapter, remember, he's in prison, and from this place... He's so concerned about the Christians. He's concerned about their growth and how important. And he says to them, I want you to have a faith that is precious to you as much as it is to me. But here is how you get it. And this is where we go to five, verse 5 to 7. He says, but also for this very reason, this very reason, great power, great promises, nature, partaker of the divine nature, all of these things, he says, because of this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. The late Ray Steadman, I don't know if you know him, a great man of God, he said, he told of a story of a young boy who he asked him the question about how old he was. And quick as a flash, this little boy says to him, well, I'm 12, going on 13, and soon to be 14. <laughs> the boy was eager to grow up. And for most of us as Christians, we want to grow in the Lord, especially when we first come to faith. We're new at it. We have a desire. But as often what happens as time goes on, the enthusiasm to grow uh, begins to fade. Do you agree? It just begins to fade. You know, just different things start drawing us away from that path of wanting to grow. We settle into the, 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 the humdrum routine and grow spiritually complacent. If anything, that's what the pandemic has revealed. It is that somewhere down the road, as the years went on, we became very indifferent and complacent in this pro growth process of wanting to walk with the Lord and understand what is it do I need to stay true to what God is telling me in this verse. You know, he said he's giving me all things, so why is it that so many of God's people are just not growing anymore? They're not growing into maturity. They're not growing into a deeper, you know, a deeper understanding of God's love for them and what he has set in, in motion for us. And so this reminds me of a story I heard um, where there was a, an old farmer 
that I read about in our daily bread, and I think a lot of you know that's a little devotion, and who often described his Christian experience by saying this, well, I'm not making much progress, but I'm established. I go to church, I pay my tithes, I do service, I do activity, but I'm not growing much. One spring, this same farmer was hauling logs from his field and his wheels sank down in the, uh, in the axle in the mud. And as he sat there viewing the dismal situation, a neighbor who had always felt uncomfortable with this farmer's testimony. He called out and he said, hey, Brother Jones, I see you're not making much progress, but you must be content because you're, you're well-established. Mm. It was a way of pointing out to this man that he was stuck and nobody else was telling him. So his neighbor loved him enough and say, hey, listen, you are stuck where you are. And maybe you're stuck spiritually today. God wants you to grow. Even if you've been a Christian for very many years and you're here and you're feeling hopeless and maybe despairing to see that maybe there might be no changes in you, you need to understand and you need to be convinced that spiritual growth can be a reality for every believer because God already has given us everything required for life and godliness. He's already given it to us. But you won't grow without deliberate discipline and effort. Oh, we put a lot of effort in a whole lot of things, beloved. But in the things of God, I think the pandemic revealed how much we never actually did enough in regards to really understanding how do we pursue, how do we become mature in our walk. What I found interesting, as you look at the life of Peter, he was a man known to the gospel for being impulsive. Remember the story of Peter. He was impulsive. He was quick to anger and really quick for an opinion. And here he sets forth, in 2 Peter, he sets forth a deliberate, disciplined approach to spiritual growth. This is Peter we're talking about. But this kind of life doesn't happen to people whose lives are on autopilot. So many of us, we've been on autopilot and we don't even know it. We're stuck and no longer really seeing our need or aware of where we are. If Peter, the impulsive fisherman, could become a disciplined, godly man, then anyone else can do the same. I love seeing Peter because I'm telling you, I kind of resembled him when I first came to the Lord. It was like I was really quick with my opinion, really quick to put a judgment. (laughs) Everybody's going, yeah, this is me. But... Peter grew. Peter was saying here that no Christian, no one who knows God through faith in Jesus is missing anything they need to lead the godly lives we are called to. You see, we make a lot of excuses why we are where we are, why we are stuck in the mud. We blame it on our environment. We blame it on the pandemic. We blame it on the church. But really, truly, that makes no sense to me because if the scripture says that God has given me all things, that who cares what you think of me? Who cares if, you've, if you disappointed me and you're not there for me? The reality is, is that you don't have that power to remove me from this place to become more mature. But don't we give it away? Don't we give our peace away? Don't we give our power away? When God gave us, it's not me that has it, but it's God through me that can actually bring me forward. 
And so we know that that's, this is what he's saying. He says, we're missing nothing. By the grace of God, all who trust in Christ have been made partners in God's nature and purpose. I've, God's na- I've got God's nature in me. Now, that's why he says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Why is it, beloved, that our world defines who we are? Could it be that we never understood our part in this growth process? Peter wanted Christians to do more than just have faith. He wanted them to devote themselves to a growing, deeper, wider, richer experience of faith. God wants the same for you and I. He wants abundant faith for you. The spiritual blessings we need are already available for us, but it's up to us to access them. I can't ask somebody else to grow me. I can't ask anybody else. I can't blame anybody else if I'm stuck in the past or stuck in my bitterness or stuck in my unforgiveness or stuck in my pride. I can't blame anybody else because according to this scripture, scripture, I've been given everything to get out of the muck. Everything. But are you convinced? Are you convinced? This is why today I just want to focus on three words. And first, uh, Second Peter one, verse five, where he says here, for this reason, we need to give all diligence in regards to spiritual to our growing to us growing spiritually. Peter offers a surefire way to know if your relationship is growing deeper and becoming more fruitful, and he tells you now in diligence, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, brotherly love. Sorry, guys, you can't do it without us. And to brotherly love, uh, to brotherly kindness, love. These are qualities that we need that are essential for us to develop habit-making qualities, a pattern, a lifestyle that we have to give all diligence to. We have the power to do it. We have the promises to do it. We have the divine nature in order to develop these things. So why is it that we have actually misplaced all this? You see, Peter says this is how you're going to be fruitful. It is not by the works you do, because a lot of times we say, well, as long as I keep on working for the Lord, I'll be okay, but you still are not growing deeper in your love for God. You're still not able to actually, you know, not get bothered by these besetting things that are happening in your life. What he says, it's not by your works, it's not the sacrifices you make, but by the quality of your character and whether or not you reflect God's glory in increasing measure. Read me, if you are looking at my life, no matter, you know, pressures, remember we talked about what pressures do to us? You know, sometimes pressures exposes who we really are. But are we quick to go, oh, got to bury this, got to cover it, oh, got to hide it, because we're so afraid. We're so afraid that people won't accept us or approve of us. No, really, you've already been approved. You've already been accepted by God. But if you keep on doing this, then how are you ever going to reflect it? God is bringing it up with the pressures because he needs you to be okay with it. He needs you to say, God, this is what I'm struggling with. This is who I am. Many believers live aimless, careless lives without 
any purpose. You see, when I see these things come up in my life, I know there's a purpose behind it. You see, God wants to deal with it because his DNA is in there, his power, his ability, his ability to rip this out of me, he can do and he will do if I let him because what he starts, he finishes. But we go like this with God continuously. That's what our pride does. It makes us so self-sufficient that we don't even go to the right resources to get free. And so God is saying, when this is happening, use it. Use it as a purpose. You know what Romans says? That God will conform you to the image of Christ. You see, he's going to use what he's exposing in your life. But you've got to run back to the king, beloved, because he, he and he alone can give you all things to walk this through. There is no attempt to work out there. You know, what happens here, what he says here, and I saw the commentary, he says, many believers live aimless and careless lives without any purpose. This is what they do. There is no attempt to work out their salvation, developing their character or to display God's glory in their situation. There is very little outward evidence of God's power governing their lives. Oh, you're going to a power source, but you're not going to God's power because that will require that you bow the knee. But every time you surrender and you yield, God comes with his power and delivers you of what is assailing you right now. Is it your thoughts that weigh you down? Is it something that's happened in the past that keeps on drawing from you? Is it actually the hopelessness that you're experiencing because what do we see in this world? We cannot get what we're looking for in this world, but we already have what God has given us. See, according to verse 4, we are partakers of the divine nature. That's the key. We are sons, spiritual sons and daughters, but growth, beloved, in the Christian life doesn't just happen to us. It doesn't happen because you're sitting passively right now trying to stay awake while you're listening to me. I can see you guys falling asleep. It's okay. Get up, get in the back, do whatever you have to do. Because really, beloved, if you're fighting slumber this morning, could it be that the enemy doesn't want you to hear this? Because if you knew what you had in Christ, you would never settle for the lies of the enemy. If you knew what you had in Jesus, you would never settle for depression, panic, anxiety. Because you see, I went through all of those. And there are times the enemy wants me to be emotionally, you know, attached to the emotions of all of that. And I proclaim what God does over me all the time. It's either I believe all things or I don't. And I think that is the, the, the in-between things that are happening with us. We don't understand this process of God calling us to grow where we are. We are supposed to give all diligence to our walk with the Lord. And that's why I believe the pandemic has revealed that ma many of us, we stop being diligent in the right things. 2 Peter 1.5 says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, not just some diligence, all diligence. It means this, with intense effort. This suggests the seriousness and the importance of our responsibility to add to our faith. Our faith is seed form. And this is what he says. It's an imperishable seed, but it needs to grow, beloved. And coming here just on Sunday and doing nothing else to reach God or to know who he is. It says that, you know, when he says the divine power 
It's what through what? The knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. He says in verse 2 that grace and peace be multiplied through what? The knowledge of God and Christ. And so there has to be an effort to know who you are following. It is not enough to follow an individual. It's not even enough to follow a community. God, thank you for the community because sometimes I just need to be put back in line. Amen? And that's what our sisters and brothers do for us. They remind us of the things that we are not doing well, which is good. It's good. It's good that I rebuke you. It's good that I correct you. It's good that I put you against the wall. Because if I didn't love you, I wouldn't do it. I want to see you grow. But there are things that you have to put to death, things you have to crucify, and things you have to develop in your life. We cannot expect to grow and abound in the precious faith without making every effort. For those that are on autopilot because of things that have happened to you, you know what I mean, huh? You know when you're on autopilot, you just go through the motions. For those who are stuck in the mud spiritually, I'm asking you, don't stay there. Let me show you why you don't want to establish, your, in, establish yourself in your present condition. Wherever you are, whatever is happening. Peter encourages you and I to grow in these qualities that he's just mentioned in 5 to 6. Five, uh, 5 to 7, I should say. But 2 Peter 1.8 is the reason why you want to do it. Listen to this. For if these things... Faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, brotherly kindness, love. If these things abound, are yours and abound, you will be neither, what? Barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it's all about the gospel. The gospel, the message of Christ is that if you have them, you have everything. If you're going through a hard time, as I'm going through a hard time right now as I'm speaking to you, I'm realizing no matter what comes up, I have everything in Christ. I need to be convinced of that. And so when I'm dealing with anger and when I don't want to accept the situation that I'm in, God fully knows I don't have to build on that anger. I don't have to give it to anybody else, but I know where I need to go is there. I understand what it is when exposure happens, when God shows the depths of what's going on in your heart. See, a year and a half after, uh, a year and a half into my Christian walk, the pressures of life exposed some character traits in my life that weren't reflecting God. You see, we have a lot of measurements. We say, oh, well, you know, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I'm going to be good. You know, we, we measure by the wrong things. If we don't use the point of view that God shows us about what you should be looking like, then you're going to be okay. You're going to make excuses and justify why you do, and you're going to do the activity and the service, and you're going to hide behind all this. I can't hide behind this pulpit. I'm sorry. There's too many of you in my life because at one point or another, you realize there's a discrepancy between my life and what I see and what I say. And I can't have that. That gap has to be very small. All of us have deception in our life. All of us. Not any of us are without it because we have the sinful nature. But how wide the deception is is up to you. 
And that's why I am real with my mistakes. I'm real with my failure. I'm real with my, my, my inabilities. I'm real with my struggle. And you see how little it becomes? This is how God is showing us that we have to develop what we need to develop and to give all diligence to what he's saying. So about a year and a half into my Christian walk, I was in a, a situation where God started showing me that oh, there are certain things that I just wasn't really good at. You see, I was a procrastinator. Because of what I had gone through, I just, if I could keep things from doing things, tomorrow I'd do it. I, I pushed everything in the back because, you see, I was just too lazy and too self-centered. I was so egocentric that if I could move things and if it was disturbing my pattern and my schedule, I would move it. I procrastinated in everything because, you see, I needed instant gratification. Not only that, God was showing me that I never finished anything I started because I was so afraid of failing. I figured if I never start anything, I'll never fail. No, are you kidding me? You stay on the sidelines, you do nothing. And God started just revealing to me that I was a half-measured woman. That means I only did things half-measured. I just went and made sure that nobody seed me because I didn't want anybody to recognize who I was. I was afraid of rejection. I was so in need of being accepted that what I did is I conformed to all of the pressures that I was living in. Now I'm faced with this because, you see, God's love came to me and he started pinpointing these things in my life. And I, I remember I knew my growth was minimum. No one had to tell me I wanted more than what I had. Then I fell on the book called The Exchanged Life. And these people, these men and women who were productive and effective and moved upon to do great things in God, they understood verse 3 and 4. They knew where their power was. They understood where the great promises, if they embraced it and walked with it, they knew what God would do. But they also understood what it was to be a partaker of that divine nature. They knew they didn't have to be governed by their flesh. And because of that, you saw great things happen through their life. And as I'm reading the biographies of these women, I started recognizing one more thing. They had this same trait. They had a heart of diligence. They made every effort. You see, what it means to be diligent is to make every effort, to act with urgency, to, with a zeal and earnestness. Now, Webster talks about adds an attentiveness, attentiveness comes into your life. You, you become, you're not idle and you're not negligent of what God is calling you to do. You're not idle or negligent. Now, Spurgeon, I wish I can tell you the story of this man. Oh, my goodness. This man produced so much for the kingdom, brought the kingdom forward. But he says this. The sin of doing nothing is about the biggest of all sins, for it involves most of the others. Horrible idleness. God, save us from it. I believe the pandemic keeps us in a pattern of empathy and indifference when it comes to the things of God. I believe it's revealed really truly things that were there way before the pandemic came. God has been aware of this and he's telling his children, I've given you all things to move beyond this event. We need to move beyond this event. Let's face it. We don't get very far if we, uh, we're idle through life. When your car is idling, it's making no progress to destination. I could turn it on, but if I don't get in the car, put it on drive, I am not getting to the store. 
And so many of us, we think just by coming to church that we are going to get the growth that we need. No, beloved, this is making every effort, being diligent and seeking the Lord and pursuing him. It has to be about this from now on. That's why I wanted to do this series. I wanted to show you what this was all about. I know that when we are idling, we waste one resource that is not recoverable, our time. Can you get back the time you wasted yesterday? You can't. So according to 2 Peter, diligence is an essential ingredient, ingredient which, which withstands the pressure of the world. It helps us grasp everything we need to do life and to create godliness in our life. The Lord offers divine resources to us through his very great and precious promises, but you have to grab on to the promises and go with them. If you're going to experience true transformation of character and have a personal capacity to wholly follow Christ, you have to understand where diligence plays the part. Proverbs 12, 24 says this, the hand of the diligent will rule but the lazy man will be, will be put to forced labor. Many of us were, were in labor. Everything is hard. Could it be that instead of diligently seeking God in the events of your life, you've actually became lazy and seeking his answer? Trust me, going through this all week, it made me realize that when I came to my sabbatical last year, I realized somewhere down the road, I actually, my, my, my diligence, it, it, it just faded. I was still diligent in seeking God every morning and doing what I needed to do, but I was much more than that. You see, when you are going through a lot of weighty situations, one thing after the other, pressure, trials, crisis, what happens? We start going this. And once we do this, beloved, now we're governed by something else and not the spirit. Now we stop thinking that God can do all things. Now we don't believe or are we convinced that God is able to provide, to nurture, that he's good and he's faithful, that he could forgive, that he could pick us up. We forget who he is. Diligence is hard and it's rough and it's tough. And it is far easier to slack off and take an easy road. Do we not do that? I'll take the easy road. Follow shortcuts and simply give up. Why do you think many of us are still stuck in the mud spiritually? It's because we've given up. We stop being diligent. Dr. Jeremiah says this. Diligence is particularly difficult in our fast food microwave culture. We don't want to have to wait for results or labor, labor or toil for future gain in the absence of immediate gratification. We want the maximum payoff for the smallest possible amount of labor. Don't tell me that doesn't describe our society today. Diligent people work hard, but they are not workaholics. Peter in this verse isn't talking about obsessive working. No, he was exhorting us to diligently follow Christ, making every effort in our pursuit of a godly life and working harder to be better, to be more like Christ. If I am, ex ex if I am 
experiencing something and what's coming out of me doesn't reflect Christ, then I have to go back to Jesus to find out why am I responding like this? Because I know he's going to give me everything I need to expose this behavior. Remember, godliness is about conduct, action, a response, our activity. It's all about what we say and do. We don't arrive at immediate spiritual and moral perfection the moment we receive Christ, but that's what we think we do. Yes, we are forgiven immediately. We're promised eternal life immediately. We're put into a family instantly. But growing to maturity, partaking in a divine nature, escaping the corruption of this world, learning to withstand the pressures of life, all that takes is time and it requires diligence on our part. The motive behind being diligent is what Jesus did for us. Everything that we see. All these divine resources are transmitted to you through all the great promises of God. And for this reason, we need to move forward, beloved. If you find yourself, as I said, on autopilot, and you have brought many things into your life that has deflected the life of Christ away from you, then you need to come back to this place. You need to start developing these habits and transforming your lifestyle and making every effort to bring in these things. All things, when God says all things, he means all things. Everything you need to a better life, a better, a better, to be a better wife, everything you need to be a better husband, a better father, a better employee, a better student, a better witness, a better influencer, all you need is in Jesus. Understanding the truth should light a fuse under you and say, God, I've been so aimless in these opportunities. I've been so aimless in these struggles. I want to grow. I know you're going to use everything. He uses everything in my life to grow me. But if we don't believe that he's given us all things, then we won't be going to God for his answers. We won't be going to God for what we need. Now, I know that we have to start being diligent. We have been diligent in self, being self-serving, self-preserving. We have been diligent in a lot of things. God has been exposing a whole lot of things from the New Year's, from New Year's. You remember the first message? He said, you know, you got to give up on the unnecessaries. God so lovingly is coming to speak to us. And he says, I'm giving you everything you need to do this. We must diligently use the available resources and do our part. Paul gives us the same challenge in Philippians 3. He had the same philosophy as Peter. And he says this in 3, 12, and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but how much more in my absence. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both the will and to do his good pleasure. God has given us everything we need, but that's no excuse of being lazy and passive in our Christian walk. So many of us have chose being passive. We leave it to others. And we remain stuck. We're to take what God has produced in us and work it out in our everyday situation. 
Not only that, we are to take this business fairly seriously because one, God gives you a promise. Has he given you a promise? He's given you, he's given me just recently the Psalm uh, Isaiah where he says, you know, when he says mourning and then there's joy in the morning and there's beauty for ashes. And that he said, because I am going to him, he said that I'm going to make you an oak of righteousness so that you can display my splendor. What does he say when he says that? He says, Mona, I know you're mourning. I know you're, you're at the anger stage. I know you're, you're not ready to accept what's going on. But if you persist and you embrace all these qualities, if you are diligent in making these your effort, that you grow in doing what he says, add to your faith virtue and knowledge and self-control. Because you see, when we're under the gun, we don't have a whole lot of self-control. Do you want me to be honest? When I'm under pressure, when pain rises, and I don't know how to navigate, there are times I wane in my self-control. And I go to other things instead of God. Are you hearing me? But God pursues me at every turn because he wants me to be the oak of righteousness. He wants me to reveal his splendor. And I want that too. It is not enough to have a heart of diligence. What we need is to develop these qualities we see, not only in 2 Peter, but what we see in Colossians 3. You see, we have a lot of opportunities before us to take a step, step of growth or stay stuck. Step of growth or stay stuck. In my experience, I know that just knowing something is not enough. Me giving you this is just not enough. I need to ask God to help me to live according to what he says and to make them the formula for how, I'm going, how he's going to work that through me. I have not done this perfectly, beloved, but I do know that even if I fall short, I get back up. I get just back up. I get back up, and I know that God is going to continue because I don't want to lose sight of the goal. The goal is this, to live for the Lord with nothing held back to live for the Lord with nothing held back, to do whatever he asked me to do with all of my heart, to learn to never back down with regret. My sabbatical was about that. I started understanding that since 2018, and it started a little before that, I started understanding because I waned in my diligence that I had regret. Oh, but praise be to God that even in those regrets, God says, let me soothe you. Let me bring comfort to you so that I can bring you forward and bring you to where you need to be. I kept on asking him, God, I want to decide now to fully engage in this purpose that you have for my life, and it's to be like Jesus. What else is there? That is the greatest purpose. And if I love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, then I will make every effort to seek him. Let me give you an example of the things that I believe might help you. Peter gives us the, what it looks like to grow spiritually, the qualities you need to build. But Colossians 3 shows you the pattern, the habits you need to develop, how you need to apply them in your life. Colossians 3, 23, 24, it's one of my scriptures, and it says, And whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to man, 
knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward, uh, the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Jesus. We forget. We go to work and the darkness of the work just consumes us and we forgot we serve the Lord Jesus. We're not doing anything as unto man but unto the Lord. So let me quickly break this down because I have maybe another five, ten minutes to go and that's it. Let me break it down. And this, I didn't break it down. David Jeremiah does. I love the way he does it. And so I'm taking it from him today. And I'm going to share it with you. Amen. I read the book. I'm going to share it with you today. And it says now, this is what he does. And he breaks down these two verses. He says, look around. Whatever you do. That means that whatever you do covers a vast territory. That means everything, where you work, at your home, how you are with your wife, how you are with your children, whatever you do, it means not, nothing, nothing falls outside of his instructions to any believers. That means that if you need instruction, if you need wisdom, everything, whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly is unto him. It's not just about life going to church. These are words that cover everything. This is a habit that will encourage you to dive into everything that you do with great diligence because you are doing it for the Lord. That means it doesn't matter if you don't get recognized at work. It, doesn't, it means that even if they are using you, like a lot of people say, well, don't you know they're using you? Who cares? I've already set in motion. I want to do it for the Lord anyway. So even though you don't respond well, it doesn't matter. And that's what happens when we do the whatever, and it becomes a habit. And then he says, look within. Do it wholeheartedly. Paul used the word heartily, which literally means from the soul, from the innermost fabric of one's being. You see, the Bible has three possible heart conditions. There's cold heart. The Bible will see that in Matthew. We have a lukewarm heart. We see that in Revelations 2. And there's a burning hot, burning hot heart. The question is, which are you this morning? Don't answer it, because then I'd have to stay for another three hours. <laughs> Don't do it. Then he says, look above as to the Lord. The real secret of developing diligence in your life is to find this portion of scripture. Why is it that we think we do things as, as unto man? Why is it that we put our hope in man to respond to us when God says, do it as unto the Lord. One way you can practice this habit of working diligently for the Lord is to simply pause throughout your day. Have you ever did it? And then you start examining what and what you're looking at and what motivates you in the first place. You know, why you say what you say. And you're going, oh my goodness, it had nothing to do with God. This is all, everything to do with me. I just realigned. He says, pause and look up. Remind yourself that God sees everything and that you are living to please him then return to whatever you're doing and do it with all your might knowing that he smiles because you are living to honor him this brings me to the last part look ahead the same god who has given you everything you need for life and godliness will also reward you for living it that way knowing that from the lord you will receive the reward of an inheritance for you serve the lord jesus christ 
There will be no end to our hallelujahs when we get to heaven. We sang hallelujah this morning. There will be no end to that. There will be no end to our joy, no end to our passion, no end to our purpose because we're serving the one that we have been proclaiming here on earth. So when we get to heaven, no big deal. Well, no, not really. It's a bigger deal. Because now we're truly in his presence. Amen, amen, amen. Let me finish with this quote. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. It's by Spurgeon again, and he says this. You will never regret having done all that lies in you for our blessed Lord and Master. Crowd as much as you can into every day and postpone no work till tomorrow. Whatsoever thy hand findest to do, do it with thy might. We have so missed out on this because we're so discouraged. Are you discouraged, beloved? Do you find yourself not attaining growth? And when it comes to even your children and, and your work, there's no passion, there's no love, there's no hunger. And, I, you know, but, and that's why God wants you to hear this. He's giving you everything. You just have to believe once again. You have to look up once again. He says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you eat, whether you drink or eat, and whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Do you imagine if we actually walked according to this scripture? There is no way we're going to find ourselves in very tempting, tempting positions <laughs> because we would have warded it out many, many months before, many days before. What? Whatever you do, do all in the glory of God. So are you applying all diligence in growing in Christ? Do you give it a mental effort? Do you make time to grow spiritually? Or are you stuck like the farmer in our story at the beginning of the message? You're establishing your muck, in your bitterness, in your pride, in your justification. You're established. But you're not growing. If you're on spiritual autopilot, I'm going to challenge you to get up. If you don't deliberately work at it, beloved, there will be no transformation, no lightness that will come, no joy or peace. He says it in 2 Peter. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. This is a promise. In the knowledge of God, and in Christ Jesus, grace and peace. Is that what you need today? In the next several weeks, we will look at each quality and break it down. We will find out what it is to build on one another those qualities. And we will see what it means to embrace and to fill our hearts with those things. There is no limit to what you can achieve. And there will be no pressure that you cannot withstand if you understand this process of growth. We're going to sing a song this morning, and I want you to stand with me. For those that are online, take this moment to recognize maybe where you are spiritually, and maybe you found yourself an autopilot or spiritually in a muck, and your wheels are stuck, and you don't know how to get out. This is when the only thing I do is I cry out, Oh, God. Oh, God, help me. Hallelujah. Lavishly follow Christ with all that we are and all that we have. 
It is a call to do the next thing that comes your way and to bring him into that place and to diligently seek the Lord in that area. It is to start right now to do all things, whatever you do, to do it all in your heart. Because God gives us these two things that if we do the process of growing and applying these qualities and building these habits, he says these two things. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. It's the knowledge that brings us forward, beloved. But then he says the next one, for he who lacks these things, lacks these qualities, is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Have we forgotten all that Jesus has done for us? The bridge of this song that he's running after us if we really knew that, then we wouldn't be going to our go-tos. We wouldn't be going to the wrong things. God is asking you, run to me. It doesn't matter what is and what isn't. Be diligent in the right things. I want to pray for you, and then I want to send you off with a wonderful song. Because we belong to a kingdom, beloved. We belong to a forever family, and we are not alone to do this. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are and what you have done for us. I thank you, God, that you have given us a great and great measure, everything that we need. And God, we are not left as orphans. We are left with everything, God. And now we are asked to do our part. We're asked, Lord, to get up from this place of idleness and this place of selfishness and this place of, of self-satisfaction, God. We, ask, we are asked to come and call out your name. So I'm asking God for a double portion of faith for your people. I'm asking God as they seek you and love you as they should, and I know that even that love comes from you. God, you never left anything to us, but there are things that we must do to grow. I'm asking God for the courage and the boldness to get unstuck, God. I don't know if it's a word, but I'm asking, Lord, for all those that are spiritually stuck today, that they realize all that they have to get unstuck. Oh, God, I thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be an autopilot. You do give us everything. And Lord, as we sing our last song today, God, let us worship, let us sing, let us praise you, let us walk and leave this place with joy in our hearts because truly you've given us all things and we thank you, God, for everything. I'm asking for a deep move upon your people, those that are watching and those that are in-house, God. I thank you for what you're going to do and I believe that you're setting in motion something different in your people. And I thank you, Jesus. In your mighty name I pray. Amen.